For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Two Houses and the New Testament. This is part 22 of the series. So let's continue on here and look at Ezekiel in chapter 37. In Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 3, Ezekiel is given a vision of dry bones, as it is written. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live. And I answered, O Lord God, you know. In Ezekiel chapter 37 verses 4 and 5 and then verse 11 it is written, Again he said to me, Prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. That is, all twelve tribes. Behold, they say, our bones are dry, our hope is lost, we are cut off from our parts. So as long as northern kingdom and southern kingdom are separated from each other, their hope is lost. So the uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel is associated with the hope of Israel. How is this so? Because the uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel is associated with Messiah redeeming them, forgiving their sins, they're following his Torah, they're no longer in exile, and that Messiah rules and reigns during the Messianic era with the redeemed 12 tribes of Israel ruling and reigning with him, and they are being a blessing to the nations. Now, in understanding that Paul testified before King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26 in verses 6 and 7, that he was proclaiming the promise that was made of God unto the fathers, a promise that the 12 tribes hope to come, Paul is going to mention in Acts chapter 28 in verses 17, 19, and 20, and specifically in Acts chapter 28 verse 20, that he is a prisoner of hope. Because as he was proclaiming Yeshua being the Messiah and his role to gather and unite the 12 tribes of Israel, he was encountering conflict and opposition from Jews in the various synagogues where he went. So in Acts chapter 28, verse 17, he is speaking to Jews in Rome, where it is written, 
Satan. And it came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. And when they were come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or the customs of our fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem unto the hands of the Romans. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had ought to accuse my nation of. For this cause, therefore, have I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because for the hope of Israel. What is the hope of Israel? The uniting of the twelve tribes of Israel. Because it says in Ezekiel chapter 37, that as long as we're not united, our hope is lost. So Paul says, for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain or suffering persecution. The northern kingdom was initially taken captive by the Assyrians. It happened in three stages. And the first of the three stages is mentioned in 2 Kings chapter 15 and verse 29, as it is written, in the days of Pekah, king of Israel, came Tiglath-Pileser, king of Syria, and he took various cities, and among them being Gilead in Galilee, all the land of Naphtali, and he carried them captive to Assyria. The southern kingdom was taken captive by the Babylonians and King Nebuchadnezzar. In 2 Kings chapter 24, verse 10 and verse 15, it is written, At that time the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against Jerusalem, and the city was besieged. And he carried away Jehoiakim to Babylon, and the king's mother, and the king's wives, and his officers, and the mighty of the land, those carried he into captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, the judgment of the northern kingdom for departing from the Torah is given to us in the book of Hosea. And we're going to look at Hosea in chapter 1. And what we're going to see is that here there was a marriage between Hosea and Gomer. And there are three children that are mentioned in Hosea chapter 1 as a result of this marriage. And the names of their children are going to be prophetic of the judgment that comes upon the northern kingdom. However, there is a wonderful promise given after the words of judgment that is initially given in the chapter. And we're going to see how in the promise of restoration that is made to the northern kingdom, that it's going to indicate to us that there's going to be those of the northern kingdom who's going to become believers in Yeshua as the Messiah. And we're going to see the link of this prophecy to the northern kingdom in Hosea chapter 1 to the New Testament. Specifically, we're going to look at Romans in chapter 9 in the book of 1 Peter. Let's look at Hosea chapter 1 and verses 2 and 3. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, Go take unto you a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land has committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. So he went and he took Gomer to be his wife. And there's a child that is born from this marriage that is mentioned in Hosea chapter 1 in verse 4. The Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel. Now, Jezreel means God will sow or God will scatter. And so this is indicating that the judgment upon the northern kingdom that he would sow or he would scatter them among the nations of the world. In the Torah anthology to the 12 prophets, volume 1, page 15, in commenting about this, in the Targums where it says, call his name Jezreel, this means that Hosea prophesied that the future exile of the 12 tribes, that they would be scattered or they would be assimilated among the nations of the world. In Hosea chapter 1 verse 6, we have the second child.
child, it says, And she conceived again and bare a daughter. And God said unto him, Call her name Lo-Ruhamah. Lo in Hebrew means not, and Ruhamah means mercy. So the name of this child is No Mercy. Why? For I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. Then the third child that is mentioned in Hosea chapter 1 is found in verse 9. Then God said, Call his name Lo-Ami. Lo in Hebrew is not. Am in Hebrew is people. Ami is my people. So call his name not my people, for you are not my people, and I will not be your God. So the judgment of the northern kingdom is Jezreel. They would be scattered or assimilated into the nations of the world, and in doing so, the God of Israel would cut them off from the covenant. He would not show them mercy, and they would not be his people. In fact, in Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 8, we're told that the God of Israel divorced the northern kingdom. Divorce is cutting them off from the covenant. However, there is a promise of restoration at the end of Hosea in chapter 1, which we're going to look at here. However, we need to realize that in the judgment of the northern kingdom, that they were assimilated among the nations where they were taken. In the Torah anthology to the 12 prophets, volume 1, page 18, it says, according to the Targums, says Rashi, this means that the entire generation would be obliterated by merging into the nations among whom they were banished. And so this is the Jewish understanding of the northern kingdom being referred to as Loami, or not my people. Now, it is not good news when the God of Israel decreed the judgment of, I'm going to scatter or assimilate you or merge you into the nations of the world, and in doing so, I'm not going to show you mercy, and you're not going to be my people. But then we have these words of Hosea chapter 1 and verse 10. Yet, even though, no mercy, not my people, yet, the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. Now, when you hear these words, the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered, what comes to your mind, what should come to your mind, is the promise that was made to Abraham and his seed, that they would be as the stars of the sky and as the sand of the sea. In other words, through this judgment upon the northern kingdom, the God of Israel is going to fulfill the covenant promise that he made with Abraham. In Hosea chapter 1 verse 10, it goes on to say, And it will come to pass that in the place where it was sent to them, you are not my people. Where is it said that you are not my people? Right here in the judgment that's given in Hosea in chapter 1, that they are not my people. There it will be said, you are the sons of the living God. Well, who is the son of the living God? We're told in John chapter 1 verse 12 that it is a believer in Yeshua as the Messiah. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So this is a prophecy to the northern kingdom that even though they're going to have the status of scattered into the nations, not being shown no mercy and not being his people, that in their return, they are going to become believers in Yeshua as the Messiah because they're going to be sons of the living God. In Hosea in chapter 2 in verse 23 it says regarding the northern kingdom I will sow her unto me in the earth and I will have mercy upon her that had not obtained mercy and I will say to them which were not my people you are my people and they will say you are my God. Once again this is prophesied of the repentance 
and the restoration of the northern kingdom that they corporately would become believers in Yeshua as the Messiah. So let's see how this is so and how this connection is further made in the New Testament. We're going to see now a connection between the prophecies made to the northern kingdom in Hosea in chapter 1 to 1 Peter and we're going to look at verse 5 and verse 10 wherein in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 5 it's speaking to believers in Yeshua as the Messiah as it is written you also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Yeshua HaMashiach talking about believers in Yeshua as Messiah regarding them it says in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 10 which in time past were not a people who in time past was not a people this is a reference to the prophecy made to the northern kingdom in Hosea in chapter 1 in verse 9 but you are now the people of God how did they become the people of God by believing that Yeshua is the Messiah they became Ami they became my people that you had not obtained mercy when did they not obtain mercy in Hosea in chapter 1 when it was said of them that I'm not going to show you mercy which in Hebrew is lo ruhama but now it says you have obtained mercy fulfilling what it says regarding the northern kingdom in Hosea chapter 2 and verse 23 well how did they receive mercy it was through the redemptive work of Yeshua when he died on the tree in the book Ephraim the Gentile children of Israel by Yardavidi Yardavidi is an Orthodox Jew who lives in the land of Israel in Jerusalem and on page 207 in his book the chapter of this book being Christianity and the lost ten tribes he's going to explain that the ten tribes of the northern kingdom are linked and associated with Christianity so in chapter 9 of his book Ephraim the Gentile children of Israel he writes the lost ten tribes according to scripture were to be taken to a north country to the west to the northwest to Zarephath which is a reference to France and ultimately as an extension Great Britain to be in the Isles of the Sea to become seafarers to be at the ends or the geographical extremities of the earth and so not only does Yardavidi who is an Orthodox Jew explain the connection of the ten tribes to Christianity or makes a link to them but he indicates that the ten tribes are located in western nations and also the geographical extremities of the earth which would be a reference to Australia New Zealand and South Africa among other nations now let's look at the book of first Peter and see that this book was written to the northern kingdom in first Peter chapter 1 verse 1 it says Peter an apostle of Yeshua HaMashiach to the strangers scattered this word scattered is the Strong's number 1290 in the Greek dictionary and it is the Greek word diaspora and this is the word that is used for the nation of Israel being in exile into the nations of the world so here he's addressing strangers who are scattered who are the strangers it's going to be reference to the northern kingdom and we're being told here where they are living they are in Pontus Galatia Cappadocia Asia and Bithynia and then we're told 
about these strangers who are scattered, that they are elect in 1 Peter in chapter 1 in verse 2. And so let's see how we can associate that 1 Peter is written to the northern kingdom because it's written to a people who are scattered that are elect. And in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 13, it says the church that is, well, church that is, is in italics, which means it's not in the text. So what the text says is the at Babylon elected together with you. Well, who is in Babylon? It is the southern kingdom. It is the house of Judah. It is the Jewish people. And who is the house of Judah elected together with their brothers of the northern kingdom? And so we can see here that first Peter is written to the northern kingdom because at the end of first Peter, it says, by the way, your brothers in Babylon that are elected together with you, they salute you or they say hi to you. In first Peter chapter one, verse two, we're told that the strangers that are scattered, they are elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Who in the Bible is regarded as being elect? It is the nation of Israel. In Isaiah chapter 45, verse four, it is written for Jacob, my servant's sake and Israel, my elect. The word elect here is the Strong's number 972 in the Strong's Hebrew dictionary. And it's the Hebrew word Becher, which means chosen choice one or the elect of God. In first Peter chapter two, verse nine, in addressing the strangers that are scattered who are elect, it is then said of them that they are a chosen generation. They are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Well, who were these words spoken of? It was the nation of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter seven and verse six, as it is written, for you are a holy people unto the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a special people unto himself above all people that are on the face of the earth. In first Peter chapter one and verse 10, speaking to the strangers scattered that are elect, it says that the prophets prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Well, this is referring to the grace that would come upon the northern kingdom, the ten tribes, or Ephraim. And we can see in part where that grace was prophesied in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 20, where it says, Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he a pleasant child? For since I spake against him, I do earnestly remember him still. I will surely have mercy upon him, says the Lord. So the grace of the mercy upon the northern kingdom or Ephraim is prophesied as well in Hosea in chapter 2 and verse 23 as it is written and I will sow her unto me in the earth and I will have mercy upon her that had not obtained mercy. Now in addressing the strangers who are scattered abroad who are elect who the prophets wrote about would receive mercy it says in 1st Peter chapter 1 verse 18 as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. In other words, he's explaining to the northern kingdom that you weren't redeemed by following rabbinic Judaism or by following the oral law, the tradition of your fathers, but you are redeemed through the precious blood of Messiah as a lamb without blemish and without spot. In First Peter chapter 2 and verse 25, speaking to the strangers scattered abroad who are elect, it says that you were as sheep going astray, but you've returned to the shepherd and bishop of your soul. 
Now, do you realize that you can't return unless you originally was someplace, but then you left it? Returning is going back to someplace where you originally were. So they've returned to the shepherd and bishop of their soul. That means they originally was with the shepherd and bishop of their soul. And what is this speaking of? It's speaking of Mount Sinai, that at Mount Sinai, it was Yeshua, who is the lawgiver, the one that is able to save in James chapter 4 and verse 12, who made covenant with the nation of Israel, with the house of Jacob, which means ultimately, eventually, as the house of Jacob was divided into northern kingdom and southern kingdom, that Yeshua at Mount Sinai made covenant with the ten tribes of the northern kingdom. But they didn't follow his Torah. They broke the covenant. They got scattered in the nations of the world. But now they're believing that Yeshua is the Messiah and being scattered in the nations of the world and they have returned to him. They've returned to the shepherd and bishop of your soul. Let's see how the northern kingdom is regarded as being lost sheep or sheep that have gone astray. In Jeremiah chapter 50 and verse 6 it is written, my people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 17, Israel is a scattered sheep. First, the king of Assyria has devoured him. Now, given that we saw in 1 Peter in chapter 1, where the strangers who are scattered, who Peter is writing to, it says that they're located in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 1 in Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, as well as Pontus and Galatia. Let's cross-reference these places to Acts in chapter 2. Now in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, the setting is Shavuot, or the day of Pentecost. And in a lot of people's minds, it was just the Jewish people who was in Jerusalem here for this day of Pentecost. And many Jews were there because it says in Acts chapter 2 verse 5, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. And that says in Acts chapter 2 verse 9 that those who were there came from various places in the nations including there were Parthenians, Medes, and Elamites and those that came from Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. And that is the area where the northern kingdom was living as we have just seen in 1 Peter chapter 1 in verse 1. Now in addressing the people who were there on the day of Pentecost it says in Acts chapter 2 verse 10, strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes. So in addition to there being Jews and proselytes there, there were strangers of Rome. And so this is a reference to those of the northern kingdom who had come to Jerusalem from Rome and they are regarded as being strangers. Just as the northern kingdom was addressed this way as being strangers scattered in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 1. In Acts chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, we see here the connection that those who were in Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost, they came from Cappadocia, Pontus, in Asia, strangers of Rome. And in addressing the northern kingdom in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, Peter describes them as being strangers scattered, living in Pontus, Cappadocia, in Asia. So what we're seeing here, that those who came to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost,
Pentecost were not only Jews of the southern kingdom or the house of Judah, but there were those from the northern kingdom who had come to Jerusalem to celebrate the day of Pentecost as well. We are told in the Torah Anthology to the 12 prophets. Well, that's going to conclude part 22 of the series on the subject, Two Houses and the New Testament. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts in order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others. We are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.